It's the musical episode. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of Not Just Tentacles, where I, Rachel, attempt to demystify anime. And today we're talking about something very close to my heart. Musicals! And before you go, uh, isn't this supposed to be an anime podcast? Then I will let you know all about the fantastic anime trend that seems to not have hit our shores yet. The anime musical. Because this seems to be the sign that a series has made its mark. Not that it gets made into a TV show or a film because that's just child's play. Anybody can do that. It's that it gets made into a musical with multiple performances. Indeed, multiple musicals. Because Black Butler has five anime musicals. Sailor Moon has got a whopping 31, I think it is. Um, Moriarty the Patriot has two And it just goes on and on and on. If you've got a franchise that's great, people will just keep returning for more. And I can see why. Because face it, anime seems to be made for musicals. You've got strong characters. You've got brilliant music. You've got compelling story arcs. All of it is just boom, boom, boom. It seems custom made. And because of the way that it is laid out, then you can go from one arc to another. You can go, okay, we've covered that arc in the last musical. Now let's do this one. Or you can come up with a completely new story for the musical. But as long as it covers all the main bases, then it's fine. Like that's what happens with the Death Note musical, which, as you know, I absolutely adore. And I did a previous episode on that is distinctly different because, of course, it completely chucks out Mellow and Near thank God. Um, But it's still recognisably Death Note. It still has the mind games, the ho-ye, Rem and Misa, all of that. So why, you might ask, do we not know about this? And this is something I've racked my brain about. And it bothers me because I love what I've seen of these shows and I wish we could have them. And I think it's different on both sides of the ocean. I think in the case of American theatregoers, they already have oodles of musicals to choose from on practically every subject under the sun. So they'll be like, why do we need another one about something that's less well-known, less commercial? And also they've got absolutely tons of comics to choose from as well and going by what happened with the Spider-Man musical I don't think they're in any hurry to repeat that they'll be like okay we tried that it's not going to work and possibly they might think it was difficult getting hold of mostly Asian actors I mean it shouldn't be but you know that could be something that they would see being in its way while with the UK I think it's a case of Mm, A lovely mixture of classism, low art versus high art, and racism. Because, you see, in the UK, there is this idea that going to the theatre is inherently highbrow, which in itself is a racist term, so yeah, let's not use that again. So, 
they think that in order to go to the theatre, you've got to see something edifying like Shakespeare or one of the other classics. And this carries across to musicals. In fact, musicals are seen as being a slightly more vulgar art form. But as long as you're seeing something that's considered a little bit more sophisticated, say like Lloyd Webber or Lame Miz, something like that, then that's acceptable. That's fine. And of course, they've been showing the same things for absolutely years. The one theatre just shows the same musical for decades at a time. And they don't want to try anything new. And as far as they're concerned, the people that go and see musicals are either people going on school trips or your kind of standard middle class, middle aged type person, and they're not going to want to watch a musical based on something that's in a cartoon. They're going to think, oh, what's this? So there's that to contend with because they don't believe that anybody would be interested or that it could inspire the wrong sort of audiences to come, which I think is ridiculous personally. I reckon they should inspire as many kids to genuinely want to go and see a musical rather than some hoary old chestnut that's been around for years, get them something that they're excited in about and interested in. There's also the idea that Brits have where um, comics are seen as a well, an inferior art form, let's say, because it's odd the way this works, because my theory is that it's to do with, did the person that you're speaking to grow up with them? Because Superman and Batman are seen as being respectable because they are the granddads of comics. They have been around since the 30s I believe and the same goes for Tintin. Tintin actually made his debut in 1929 so he is ancient in comics terms and because obviously European it's seen as being well more cosmopolitan and everybody grew up with RJ's Adventures of Tintin or at least my mum did anyway so their reasoning is they're familiar with these products so they don't see them as being tarred with the same a tacky brush that um, other comics are. But when I was growing up, so this is back in the 90s and noughties, yep, I'm that old, things like Marvel, so in other words, Spider-Man, X-Men, Iron Man, that lot, they were all just seen as trash. And it was like, oh, you don't want to read that. There was this idea that if you read comics, that you would end up being illiterate and never read anything else, which looking around at the people I know that love comics is not true. We're a well-read bunch. It did not stop us from moving on to other books. And I personally don't see how some of the alleged actual books I've read are better than comics, but there you go. So my idea is, say 20 years from now, when all the young anime fans in the UK are adults and when they have children of their own, that's when we're going to start taking it seriously and think, oh, maybe there is something to this. Maybe this is a cultural icon rather than something I just dismissed because I'm a big old snob. Because I would never have thought as a kid that was told off for reading Spider-Man or the X-Men that we would be seeing big budget movies about them and that they would be the hot ticket. But there you go. 
And the racism, well, I hardly need expand on this. Essentially, lots of Brits are just still really hung up on Japanese racism. They just basically haven't gotten over World War II and just use that as an example, as an excuse even, to shit on anything even remotely Japanese. Like, they won't partake of Japanese culture, they won't eat Japanese food, they just turn their nose up at all of it. So I can well see some people saying, oh, I don't want to watch that. No way. Uh. And oh, yeah. And there's the um, idea people used to have back in the day that anime was all tentacle monsters and video nasties with ultraviolence. So again, that would make them think, oh, I'm not going to go and see that. Oh, no, that's not a musical as we know it, which is gash. <laughs> Sorry to be so <laughs> blunt about it, but it really is because I have checked these out and they're good. They're good stories. They're creative. I mean, possibly compared with the big budgets that you get in the West End and Broadway, you might think, oh, this looks like a maybe you're end of year school play but I don't care about that as long as the songs are good the characters look like who they're supposed to be the performances are great then I honestly don't care what the scenery looks like because whatever happens to suspension of disbelief I mean come on We've seen all sorts of shows where we're expected to believe that somebody's gone back in time or somebody's a ghost or whatever. And that's with far less special effects and so on than you would get in, say, the West End performance of Wicked. So why should this be any different? I've also noticed that there is a kind of sexist edge to many of the criticisms because they're saying oh these are clearly geared to a female audience it's like so bloody what who cares who's watching it and what's wrong with women anyway women are great musicals are great I just think this is all very sexist and homophobic and just turning your back on a perfectly valid art form for fake reasons just give it a chance for heaven's sake I mean I, I've just love what I've seen like for instance um Prince of Tennis that was said to be what started the big anime musical boom in the early noughties because of course they've been going on for absolutely yonks like um one of the earliest that we know about was the Rose of Versailles, which was done in 1974 by the famous um, Taka Review. So that's the all-women theatre troupe. So they put on an acclaimed musical version of that. But the ones that we're talking about now, the noughties range of musicals, they all started with Prince of Tennis. And uh, as you can imagine, playing tennis on stage could be a bit dangerous, a bit risky. So they got round it by having a spotlight 
be representing the ball. So that was batted back and forth instead. And it might sound a bit cheesy, but it works. Likewise, um, Yawamushi Pedal, which is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, by the way, sorry about that. Um, That is a bike anime. And they've represented that by having people running up and down the stage holding bike handles. And again, probably sounds naff. But when you're watching a show, you don't care. You forget thinking, oh, he's not really on a horse or that's not really a garden or whatever. Your brain just thinks, yeah, I'm watching the story. These are the characters. I mean, I have noticed that they don't seem to have done... um, assassination classroom yet but I imagine being able to do Korosensei convincingly would be a bit tough because he doesn't even look good in CGI so how they can get an actor to do it I mean maybe a puppet with lots of arms I don't know but I I just again I just look at the ingenuity and I just think I wish we could have more of that and I don't know why this binary that we have in the west that comics are for men mean that we're not going to see Batman and Superman singing about their feelings anytime soon I mean I would love that I I would love to have an choreographed fight stroke dance between Batman and the Joker that would be amazing I would pay good money to see that and I would pay good money to see these and I wish they would bring them over here because there have been productions in Canada Russia um, Australia so it's like come on bring them over here because there's definitely the demand for it I mean have you been in the Waterstones recently, the comic section is 50-50 other comics and manga now. So you can't just go, oh, this is a niche interest that people don't have. No, it's what people are reading. People of all ages, not just kids. And even if it was just kids, who cares? You want to get bums on seats. You want to get people in theatres. And face it, If at the moment they're saying that we're not getting enough people in to see shows, then this would be a good way. And if you're worried about COVID, then fine, stream the shows. People would pay good money to see that, either in person or streaming. And some of these aren't professional either. Some of these are fan-made and they are still fantastic. Like last weekend... So bonfire night, I am a scaredy cat and don't like fireworks. I spend most of the bonfire night season huddled under a blanket, just wishing I could be anywhere else. So I thought, okay, let's fire up the YouTube and see if there's something to watch. And I'd been kind of hovering around My Hero Academia, the musical. And may I point out at this point, I did not realise that it um, it wasn't a pro-production So when I started watching, I realised, one, it was in Polish, but subbed. And two, it was by um, somebody called Carrie in Cosplayland, who previously I've been admiring um, her Death Note um, cosplay videos. So I didn't know what to expect at all. I was thinking, oh, God, is this going to be a bit like a panto? Is this going to be crap? It's amazing. It really is. Um, it's got the terrific 
framing device of it being Izuku's mum who's telling the story, which means that they had to make a few changes here and there. Like, for instance, she knows all about Izuku and All Might, which I think is an improvement because I never liked the fact that they were lying to her and keeping her in the dark all the time because a boy's mother has the right to know. So she is acting as an every woman telling this extraordinary story and also gives you, um, as an adult, a character to relate to as well. And just everybody, even though obviously the actors all look like they're in their, I don't know how old they are really. I mean, they could be older uni students or they could be in their 20s, 30s. It's hard to tell. But they all just grabbed their roles and did not let go. Like um, they had two actors playing All Might and they did actually make a big joke of um one running on stage while the other one was just sauntering off. But I loved that. It just added to the whole kind of campy kitsch feel of it because I think this is a really important thing to remember about manga in general and anime in general, not to take it seriously. And I think this is maybe why comics as musicals in the West don't work because there's this aggravating tendency to take everything seriously and be like, oh, ooh, it's so dramatic. It's so awe-inspiring. So I love the fact that they had all these little in-jokes, like they have All Might shopping in Lidl, <laughs> which is just the idea of the world's biggest superhero shopping in Lidl. And um, so as All Might himself, he's wearing the skin-tight lycra with fake bulging muscles and strange shading on his face which I guess is meant to make him look like he's in profile all the time but you forgot to think about that after a while and he had a habit of kind of sticking out of lockers and then getting stuck so that was really funny and um Izuku um just nailed the character's kind of geekiness and well-meaningness and just his every guy behavior and in addition the eye adore although possibly some fans might get upset by it because I've noticed that this is a theme with um with Carrie's shows I can only assume that she is queer and queer friendly the fact that they make um a romance between Izuku and Shoto canon but I thought that that was a great choice because um the way that they are in the show anyway does come across as being a romantic two-boy friendship. And when you've got the whole situation where you have get Izuku trying to get him to embrace his firepowers and not see them as belonging solely to his dad, then if that had happened between a male and a female character, then of course they would fall in love. So I am... <laughs> I was made up that it happened here. I mean, you didn't... They didn't kiss or do anything, which obviously they shouldn't because they're 14 or 15. But just at the very end when um you've got Izuku um, having a look at Shoto's notes and going, these notes are breathtaking. And then Shoto going, you're breathtaking. And I screamed and punched the air like an idiot. And, um, I, okay, maybe this falls down in that I could not tell you how the songs went. But then that's because I've only seen it the once. I mean, I, I'll check them out. But while I was watching it, I was caught up in the performance I liked them. I enjoyed them. They told the story. Like, for instance, um, in the scene where he meets all his classmates for the first time and they're all 
introducing themselves and their powers. I mean, that was a fantastic number. And I did love the way that the show both managed to parody things like High School Musical, but also be a successful straight show in, well, straight not being the word here, but it was a show in its own right. You didn't just think, oh, this is a rip-off or a cash-in or whatever. And obviously it's not a cash-in because it was clearly made on a very minimal budget. But I had a splendid time. And um, seeing as I'm probably not going to be able to see an MHA musical anytime soon, then I, I just felt like this filled the gap. And I've really missed the show anyway at the moment while I'm waiting for the dubs to become available so i just would thoroughly recommend this if you had an hour and a half to kill and you wanted to watch something that wasn't too serious and helped scratch that mha itch then definitely this and i also watched um their version of yuri on ice which i can only assume was an earlier musical because it's only about half an hour long and rather than using original songs it just you borrow the music from Greece, but I liked that too because it was selling it as yes, well, as your standard romance. Only the one difference being, of course, that they're guys and they're rival figure figure skaters, or rather, in the case of these two, they were originally rivals, but now he's his coach. And I just, I just think all of these are just examples of what it's capable of and what it can be. And um, I just wish that we could bring them here. And I wish that we could get over the snobbery for whatever reason about it, because I would definitely watch these shows. I know Ruth would. I mean, I've managed to induct her into the Death Note cult. I've got Death Note cult, that sounds awful. So... I know I'm not alone. So hopefully with me babbling on for the last 22 minutes, I've convinced you to go online, go on YouTube, check them out. You will not be disappointed. And I think that's all I've got time for for today. So I love you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And you can also follow us on social media. We are at TentaclesNot on Twitter. And on Facebook, our page is called Not Just Tentacles. Speak to you soon. Bye.